This episode brought to you by Matt Enlow and Patrick and Brandon, our first two ever patrons ever. Woo! Thanks, guys. And yes, that means we do have a Patreon page. You can check us out at www.patreon.com slash podcast. And yeah, if you love the show, you like the show, listen to the show, uh, yeah, consider supporting us and uh, keeping the show going. All right, and without further ado, here's episode 192 of Making Movies is Hard. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Smith Slami. And I'm Art Russell. This week, we're happy to welcome Ivan. Uh, I should have asked you how you say your last name. Ivan <laughs> Ituriaga. Ivan Ituriaga. Nice. And Darren Colston from a web series, from the web series, The Not Pull to the Show. Yeah, welcome, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I want to say that we're at the SF Film House in San Francisco right now, um, you know, with these guys, which is awesome. We don't do uh, in-person podcasts very often. This is my, I think, third this year, though, so that's pretty great. It's how you get good combos, you know, you look at each other. Yeah, you can't hide now. Yeah. I usually hide in my office, like, behind, you know, like, the waveform bouncing on the on the thing. That's all I got. <laughs> and I just mute myself every once in a while when I want to take, like, a sip of water or <laughs> eat a bite of my dinner or whatever. Can't do that here. No, face to face. people sweat. Yeah. Darren has to answer questions. Yeah. So if you're not in the Bay Area, you probably haven't heard of the North Pole. If you are in the Bay Area you and you're in film, you probably heard about it. It's a pretty big deal. I know um, that I heard about it when I came out independently of um, my friends, uh, Casey and Mickey, who you guys know. Um, uh, but yeah, but really quick, before we get into the show, uh, let's, I want to hear your one-minute bios. Like, Just give us your background. So Yvonne, why don't you start? Just give us your quick bio- background, who you are, what you do, how you got into filmmaking. Cool. I'm a writer-director. I came from Chile in 1995. And... Um, yeah, I've been working in film since I graduated college. What's that? Like 15 years. Nice. Working at it. Awesome. What do you do? Like, what do you do? Like, all, do, do, do you write and direct for, for a living? Is that how you get paid? Or, like, do you do other things? Or uh, Well, the North Pole for the past, like, yeah, what, three years. I've been uh, writing and directing with that. I've been writing a screenplay. I've gotten some grants for that. Um, before I directed a uh, feature-length documentary for PBS. Before that, I mostly was, I've done it all. I really worked as a cameraman. I did some editing, associate producing. Uh, so I got my hands dirty and nice. different, definitely PA'd a lot, you know, back in the day. Done, awesome. Done a little bit of everything. Yeah, we've had a lot of filmmakers on the show, and it's very rare to find one who gets actually paid to write and direct, like, and, and is able to sustain a life doing that, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's narrative, you know? For like, sure. we've had some who are, like, you know, commercial directors, of course, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but narrative commercial filmmakers, or not commercial filmmakers, but narrative filmmakers yeah. who get paid, that's a rarity. Well, so. I'm not getting paid. No. You know? okay. well, I'm still paid. I'm getting paid, but it's, no, it's paid, but you know. It's very uh, humble. It's humble. Hey, yeah, well, yeah. But it's still I'm definitely living, you know, I'm, I'm living the writer life right now, which means I'm not getting paid to write my screenplay. But, you know, I got a grant. It keeps me going. It keeps me afloat. But you definitely, like, yeah, I got to compliment your, your salary from other forms, probably, yeah. usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Darren, your turn, man. 
Yes, well, I'm a producer transitioning into writing, but like Yvonne, I'm not getting paid just yet. But um, I have a production company um, started a couple of years ago with a partner. Um, and yeah, producing the web series and music videos and uh, trying to dip her toe in. Um, uh, oh, really didn't want to start blanking out on a <laughs> <clears throat> on a just content period um but really focusing or wanting to put our energy into to narrative film but nice you know how that goes but you do commercial production is that like how you pay the bills that kind of stuff um Corporate video as of late yeah nice yeah awesome yeah sweet Got a lot of stuff in la but out here it's kind of you know right but you live here, right? Yeah. But you kind of split, do you so split I, your time? Yeah, I go back and forth. Um, and I guess how I got into film was, you know, PAing and working in different departments. And I was lucky enough to get on some studio stuff and nice. soak it all up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously, big congratulations to you. You're a SF Film House resident for yeah, 2019. Yeah. So yeah. congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank why you. we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, previous guest uh, Liz Anderson's also a resident. Yeah, yeah. So it's awesome yeah. that we've had two residents on the show yeah. this year already. That's awesome. Yeah. I get everybody on the, in the residency yeah. on the show. Yeah. yeah. I've had a couple ex-residents on. Uh, Rob Rickert was, he, was yeah. on the show a couple times. And I think that might have been it. But yeah, he's no. on Sundance right now. Yeah, road tripping. Yeah, with uh, his movie mm-hmm. Last Black Man in San Francisco, mm-hmm. which is super awesome. Yeah, yeah, really, really proud of that guy, and you know, really can't wait to see the movie. And yeah, I've known Rob for like I don't know seven years, six yeah. years. Or we something. went to high school together. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh fuck, yeah, yeah. You, you beat me, goddamn! <laughs> yeah. I I ad the pickups on his movie No One But Lydia. Oh, so nice. that's how we met. And cool. then I co-produced his next short film, um, Solid Ground, which now is Four Pounds of Flour, I guess. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. I don't cool. think he's shown it to anybody, yeah. dude. He keeps it, keeps it tight. I mm, yeah. wonder what that means. Well, I don't know. He's just he isn't the kind of guy who puts his short films online. That's just not his style. You know, I'm trying to change his mind about that. Um, all right, Samir, your, your turn to ask a question. You've said like three words so far, so questions <laughs> where, where do you want to start with these guys well I'm mostly I'm always curious about duos you know um, and what it's like to work together and I'm curious to hear the first thing you both ever worked on together nice it's a mm. good question well I was working in film a long time before Darren mm-hmm. and so he would start coming in on sets doing whatever we needed so the yeah. man was a grip uh you know, and usually, like, I really trusted Darren's eye and opinion on, on things. So, I, a lot of times, he was an unofficial AD. Mm-hmm. But our probably first projects to get on set, actually, funner story, <laughs> I helped this OE, this guy I barely know what he's doing now with his life, oh. who was doing a student film. Yeah. And he was doing a martial arts student film. Oh, God. And he was like, man, Yvonne, I need some help doing this. And I was like, yeah, what do you need? He's like, man, I just need a guy to play like a Shogun type assassin type guy. And I was like, just throw Darren in there. Darren had a big afro back then. And he was doing martial arts. So probably our first project was Darren playing, yeah. like, I don't know what you were, but it was, it was hilarious. Like, uh, 
You seen the last, uh, what is it called? The Last Dragon? Or the, the Bruce oh, Lee yeah. one? The, the Bruce Leroy one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. Show enough, I was like the yeah. show enough character. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Tiny aside, did you see the trivia? Do you ever watch Insecure? Yes. Did you see like the last like um, episode of the season? Of last oh, season was like no. a little tribute to it. No. It was no. funny. Okay. I, was, I watched out. the first two, first two seasons. Yeah. So yeah, that was probably our first time on set. But after that, like really, Darren, uh, my first narrative short, second narrative short, Darren produced. So we've been uh, working together for a while. That's cool. Yeah. And that movie where Darren is in there as the Shogun guy, mm-hmm. is that out for people to see? Can we put a link in the show notes? <laughs> uh, Can you guys dig it up for dang, us? It might be. It might be. It's, I mean, this is what two thousand four. Oh man! Oh. Now we have to see. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 bad. No, yeah. it's good enough. It's, it's bad. It's so bad is good. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Oh my funny. gosh, yeah. I love. I'm gonna do some digging. Films. I'll yeah. search. Yeah. Uh, I did a Steven Seagal uh, short film <laughs> that I starred in and directed and wrote, Excellent. Uh, which I put on the show notes to one of the previous episodes. So, right. so I encourage you, be free. Yeah, be go. free. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that's crazy. I forgot about that. Yeah. So just to get into North Pole, like for the people who don't know what it is, tell us, what is the North Pole? Oh, me? <laughs> North Pole is a web or a series. Uh, we have finished the first season, seven episodes long. It's about three friends from North Oakland, the neighborhood of North Oakland, which when I was growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, was uh, nicknamed the North Pole by the locals. You know, and so in high school, and in hip hop music all around me, you know, we were being referred to as polar bears. So that's the, the characters are, you know, my generation who grew up in that world, so they're polar bears. And it's a show that's dealing with the changes that are happening in Oakland. Um, and we're trying to link those changes to what's happening in the world. So it's a show that uses uh, humor to address some complicated, deeper issues and how these characters deal with those problems, how they evolve, how they struggle with the outside world and with each other. Nice. Hmm. Cool, and um, how did you get both get involved in a project? Well, our good buddy Josh, um, we're producing little kind of PSA things for him. So like, um, yeah, these PSA type videos um and at the time he was well is he still movement generation um and movement generation is a is an organization that looks at the intersection of social justice and climate change Mm -hmm. um so we're churning out these videos um and us being narrative guys kind of pitch to him like yo man like you can tie in these these uh stories or these different issues together with like a story a you know group of friends or like something narrative you know um and he went for it and it kind of took off from there nice Uh, so so you guys came up with the idea you pitched josh this concept for the show it was an organic process, but like mm-hmm. we were doing uh, little videos that were more, uh, they had some writing in them, but they weren't 
long they were like five seven minutes you know and they were one-offs for sure mm-hmm. and so in the brainstorming sessions we were definitely always pushing for something mm-hmm. longer something more meaty okay right also for personal reasons like we want to spend our time doing something uh-huh. that we want to be doing right and these one-offs you know it's not what we want to be doing yeah even though we did one with boots riley and that was really got really popular and we did different things that and they were definitely very useful you know they were backing campaigns that we definitely believed in mm-hmm. that was cool but like yeah. yeah then when when we were like okay what's next yeah it's definitely the three of us sat down and we were like okay what can we do next okay yeah, yeah. So did you guys hash out the show together, like writer room style, and like come up with that way? Like, how did the first like idea for the show even like the real like story come together? Mm-hmm. Well, we had like a kind of a writers retreat. Um, <laughs> it's very when, romantic. Yeah, we were That's out in the cool. out in the woods in the cabin. Um, yeah, arguing yeah. and <laughs> just like got to. Uh, had several ideas had several different directions we could have went um, and yeah a friend a friend in the circles kind of had a um, was it a poem or Daniel thing oh yeah yes uh, so Josh led a, a story writing workshop okay. <clears throat> so Josh is really uh known a lot for his uh what is it uh snap judgment shows right mm-hmm. so his storytelling and so he did a lot of uh, these different workshops and our friend dania who actually is very involved in the show and has a lot to do with its origins and content mm-hmm. she um did a piece that highlighted this north pole thing the polar bear the the metaphor okay and that um like i knew this all along always but wasn't even thinking about it and mm-hmm. that kind of like Josh was like, how come I didn't know about this? And uh-huh. so he, he, so that was one thing that sparked that conversation mm-hmm. that started building. I was like, yeah, oh, oh okay, that's good. Right. So that was one of the sparks, right? Yeah, yeah. But they were like, they were def- definitely completely different iterations of what the show could oh, have been. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was, like a, it was like a black park ranger. Oh, the character, who the characters uh, were. Yeah, like different characters. Oh, yeah. This is like, it could have been completely different. Yeah, list yeah. off some of what these characters were that you guys are toying around with and uh, like threw away. It's been like four years, but yeah, I don't even remember that. I just remember the Black Park Ranger. Well, that was probably <laughs> yours. Like, yeah. Well, honestly, oh, the second <laughs> season, like me and Darren really wanted uh, what's happening now in the second season to be part of the first season. So really, yeah. we wanted to touch a lot on immigration and mm-hmm. we wanted to really highlight Benny as... The, one of the key stories which we didn't get to in the first season right so Benny's a son of a side character he's kind of a side character and we don't really get into it. But he, in the he's sec- funny though he's funny so in the second <laughs> season we really get into his story which I'm really happy about but that was definitely something that we and he's really based on one of my friends from high school one of my good friends from high school mm-hmm. his his storyline and his uh, immigration st- his status all those things are very relevant to people that are close to me so we wanted to dive into that mm-hmm. um I only remember that I'm, I'm, you know, I've made another season now. Right. Ago, so I'm. You really don't even remember <laughs> the, how it came together. But, uh. I think the thing I'm really curious about is like this collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people on the team and mm-hmm. it's very collaborative. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, I don't know if you have the typical showrunner structure. Um, and I'm curious about directing, especially you have. 
I've been directing um, something in which there is like a showrunner for, and、mm. there are a bunch of people with different visions. Like, how do you balance that? How do you work that?、Mm. Ego checks. <laughs> I mean, we. I, I'm gonna speak from my perspective. Like, there,、um, we did kind of have like a, a writers' room. We had input on the early stages.、Um, there were there were different directions we could have went,、um, and yeah, we we wrote together or、uh, we created. You know, show arcs and、uh, character arcs,、um, and when it came to writing, there were like, for myself, there was creative differences. So I kind of like fell back creatively, but like made sure I was there to like make sure it happens and to like help. So it's I think.、Um, I think having so many different people, different angles and inputs、um, was cool to like get it to a point, and then、um, being able to pass it off and like let it be its own thing at a certain point. Yeah,、uh, yeah I mean, something we could talk about all night. It's about this dynamic and like、mm-hmm. having different creative、uh, views. And different roles, you know. Like I learned a lot doing this for sure. For example, like I really think,、uh, like me and Josh have very different tones.、Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's comedic. He he definitely has a, a funny bone, and I'm very much drama, right?、Mm-hmm. So you, I feel like you can sometimes see in the show this push and pull,、mm-hmm. right? Of these two tones, and some people like it. Sometimes I feel like we really found the happy medium. And a nice tension,、yeah. and sometimes both can struggle, you know. And I feel like in traditional writers' room, I definitely believe in the need for a showrunner, absolutely.、Mm-hmm. So I know like Darren's in a really interesting position of being a writer producer. I feel like that combination might be lethal, you know. Well, because was there a showrunner? Yeah, Josh is Josh is a showrunner.、Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't like you were sharing because I I saw that the credits you created by you guys all share that title. Well, we definitely created.、Yeah. The characters and where they were going to go, but I feel like in that, it's also like us being not super experienced with our writers' room and、mm-hmm. not being super clear on roles at the beginning. So it's、oh, a learning lesson for sure. Interesting. But、yeah. I think that's what the transition was. Is like we're all going to be equal writers, and then like a, a real writers' room, every writer in there should be put there with the same tone and the same view. Right,、and、you think so? I think well, unless you're really trying to have one that's going to give you ideas that you're going to usually ignore. I always thought that, <laughs> like, I mean, I fuck, dude, I don't have any、yeah. writers' room experience, but I always seemed to me that you'd have different voices in a writers' room, so they, like different parts of points of view could get in there and like kind of meld together to create this different thing that you wouldn't have if everyone shared the same sense of humor, the same same style. You yeah,、know? it's possible, well, but I could never. Sorry, I could never write for Friends or Seinfeld. Never. Nobody should ever hire me for that. You know. <laughs> right, but yeah, sure. Right. But that's not what you were making, though, either. <laughs>、yeah. No, but I'm saying so. Well, there's there's certain I could fit certain characters in some shows. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. 
So wait, I, I have a question just about the creative differences. So was that like from the first writer's retreat where you guys were together where you saw these creative differences or was it more like as you start to actually make the show that you start to see I think see it was as we were, we actually started right writing. So there's a, there was a period of like creating it of like, okay, these are the characters and like, what is their backstory? And like, what's their art going to be over the season? What's their art going to be over this episode? Like we kind of like nailed down everything. Like this first episode is about this, this episode is about that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we also like, because it's for, or it was with and for movement generation, we had, you know, issues that we had to like nail down right and you talk had to about. hit these bullets yeah, yeah. yeah. so like that was it's a double-edged sword is it, it was helpful because like we had boundaries you know we have to we have to talk about this you know um but then like you kind of get painted in the corner at the same time creatively like oh, well why don't we try this like now we have to stick mm-hmm. to to the issue yeah. you know um, and I think, like Yvonne was saying, the tone um, were, yeah, there was a difference of opinion of what's, what's what, what's funny, what's, right. what's appropriate or whatnot. Right. Um, and, you know, I trusted, or we trusted um, the, the writing, the, um, the world that we built or that we were sampling and and working within and we trusted our characters. So I felt okay, you know, falling back. It's like you can skin a cat a million different ways. Like it's, it's, you know, the characters were all there. The scenario was there. It's just like, what kind of show do you want to make? But do you didn't feel like you wanted to like plant your flag in the ground and be like, no, like this needs to be like what the show is more like. And, but you just felt okay back off from it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I best serve the, the, the project by being supportive. Um, I probably had the most experience as far as, working on larger projects, narrative projects and organization and, you know, I've worked in several different departments and touched things and it was just like, you know, like I'll, I'm more helpful, helpful that way than like pumping, pumping the creative breaks, you know? So, uh, yeah it's you know it's multiple every project like we talked earlier like i i I co-directed something before i think co-direction is i don't know who can do it maybe maybe only twin (laughs) twin brothers should do it there's a lot of them there's a lot of brothers not even just brothers there's a lot of co-directors yeah i don't know that's amazing um i feel because even in small things you can defer and that can really change what the project looks like and feels and so ultimately Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not going to all make the same movie and yeah. we can't all agree on how to make it. So, yeah. 
I think having yeah clear positions from the start is super important. Yeah. And in terms of what was your question about directing something that hasn't? Yeah, like how do you balance the sense of like because um, the thing about showrunner writer combo people yeah. they tend to have like their own very specific vision of what yeah. the tone and feel is. Mm-hmm. And when you're coming in as a director, you've got your sense of like storytelling. So like, how do you take that and mesh those two and make it make sense? Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a dance for sure, but I don't think it was just uh, Josh having his own alone view because it definitely was created by us. So it definitely had tones from the beginning of things um, that I'm very interested in. And it's yeah, you have to pick your battles and and the, the ultimate test if it, if I think it's funny because I'm a drama person, then okay, like. But if it definitely falls flat to most people, I'm like, oh man, it's, it's not. I don't laugh at just anything. So I think I'm a good tester of that. And him on the other side, if it like drama is not a feeling forced or something. So I think there's also a really good thing about having these different points of view is that you're ultimately testing each other to try and make the yeah the best out of it. So when Darren stepped back from the writing. Like, how did you feel about that as as the director? Like, did you think that that was what was the best for the project as well, or were you like kind of bummed that that happened? Like, what was your experience? I was bummed on uh, maybe emotional friend level, but always I knew this wasn't my that wasn't my role. I also stepped back from the writing. You oh, know? you did too. At the yeah, same yeah. time, you guys kind of just like you yeah, know he, hey. he takes lead writing, but I I stayed and like remained taking notes, giving like there's lines in there that I came up with, you know, like mm-hmm. I remained as a creative contributor to the writing. Was it just like too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing? Kind of. I mean, there was. I think. Well, the first season I was showing yeah. up, I was kind of like tiebreaker, like it could uh, go this way or that way. It's like Darren, what do you think? Uh, like, yeah. You know, um, but yeah. The, Second season is I like completely right. remove myself from the creative. Okay. Part. So second uh, season we brought on uh, lead actors Reina Maya mm-hmm. who plays Nina and Dante Clark who plays Marcus, and we brought them in into the writers' room. Oh, that's good. But also like this time we we're very clear that Josh is the showrunner, so we had writer room sessions. We came up with the whole arc, the whole show. Us four, they wrote uh, either whole scenes or parts of um, episodes and then you know Josh gets to repiece them and put them together ultimately he did have you know final say on Mm -hmm. how it's structured but with tons of dialogue and character input from Mm -hmm. all of us yeah I think the first season that's that's probably what um, yeah we none of us have worked in television officially like I've never been in a writer's room just like what I read right and like what people say works and <laughs> right. it's just yeah I mean you just guys really figure, you just figure, <laughs> just like figure yeah. it out yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go so do you guys have table reads at all or how did you work that out uh, we depends what season we're talking about but See, season one let's yeah um, no we didn't have table reads actually no <laughs> Wow. We just wrote it, and then we just started auditioning. Yeah, yep, pretty um, much. So, um, how did you guys find your cast? Are they just mm-hmm. local actors, or a combination of things? Mm-hmm. We did SF casting. We used SF casting. We used word of mouth. Um, Dante, who's amazing, we I, we had worked in before with another project with Josh, 
and also he was in this amazing documentary called Romeo is Bleeding. Mm -hmm. So I had a relationship with him. I def that's funny. I didn't when he came in audition for this. I was like, he's not the right one. He's too serious. This guy can't do comedy. And Josh, oh. Josh and Darren were like, oh, he's great. He's perfect. Mm -hmm. And like this was funny. It's like I was like, nah, Dante can't do it. But Dante came in, and then I started testing him. I was like, all right, because he's from Richmond. And I was like, so what's the difference between a cat from Richmond and a guy from North Oakland? And he immediately started acting like a guy from North Oakland and put in a little cues. And I was like, okay. So he definitely gets the character, mm -hmm. knows the nuances about this world. And then once he relaxes, he's really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. He was funny. in the first, I was watching the first season. Yeah, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. Yeah. Season, Second season. He's even funny. He's so, <laughs> so it was folks from the community, SF Casting. Yeah. And, and recommendations right, yeah it was very yeah. like Josh is really connected with the youth speaks kind of world yeah mm -hmm. and so through that we got a lot of people yeah what were some of your biggest challenges making the show besides money <laughs> well, yes let's talk about that how did you raise the money for the show oh man well Josh is a, an epic producer as well Josh um like well, did the organization that you guys were working for pay yeah. for it? I mean, well, that, what a good I chunk, just thought. A good chunk. A good chunk. But I'm not paid for it. Like, really, we use them as a fiscal sponsor uh -huh. in their relationships. I mean, this is a really weird mm -hmm. narrative project. Like, it has... It's a weird project, period, as far as, <laughs> uh, as a relationship. fundraising relationships yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Because we only got... The only film money we got was from the Berkeley Film Foundation. Thank you, Berkeley Film Foundation. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Everything else was foundations that deal with climate change or uh, or, or social justice. Right. So it's a film that's it's a project that's almost ninety percent funded by foundations that care about these mm -hmm. issues, not film. Right. And they would normally be funding like right. documentaries and like um well yeah, like documentaries. Or just, or just programming. Yeah, but yeah. like this, our association yeah. with this nonprofit that has really good standing in that world yeah. allowed us to get that money. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a blessing from everybody. And a lot of people like took a risk, you know, to do something narrative and like let us make things out of nothing you know like this was three years ago i feel like and they tell you this as a film too foundations now that weren't traditionally funding film before definitely seeing how art and culture is a crucial component to their issue right. working to their movement building and so i'm really happy to see that becoming more of a, a not a norm but definitely more common and so did you can you say what the budget was or in the realm of what the budget was for the first season yeah the first season was about 65 huh I feel like 65 no it was closer because we, we did a kickstarter too for the first season yes. also uh -huh. oh, okay yeah. I was like that was a shooting budget it was like 65 and then like we were close to 100,000 by the end oh really like wow. 85, 90 wow with uh, see yeah. Josh should be here for that but yeah. I wow but it definitely was around there that's a nice chunk you know yeah, yeah. for because it was it's about an hour of runtime or a little bit under it's a little hour. bit under yeah. yeah it was like 86 or something yeah uh, no I mean it's it's funny it's a good chunk and then we 
I mean, we got experience on uh, sets, and it's like everybody got underpaid, you know. Yeah, right. And, and so lots it's still lots of volunteers. Lots of volunteers. Everybody under their rate. Yeah. But we paid everybody. Um, and well, that's still good. I mean, just the fact that you could pay everybody is pretty huge in in indie yeah. stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then you obviously had good equipment, you know, and you had mm-hmm. good color and sound and all that stuff, and you had some awesome music. That yeah. opening title song is dope. Yeah. Did you get them to write that for the show, or was it? Like, no, that's some Oakland love. So Fantastic Negrito from Oakland had just won the Grammys, and they were trying to get their music in places. They had a song in, what's that show? Prison show? All right. Nobody knows. Prison, and, prison Break? No. No, That's was, old. <laughs> yeah, I forget. But um, they just wanted to get music into shows, and they liked, uh, they had seen our trailer. Our trailer was a hit. Maybe better oh, yeah. than the show. Man, that trailer's <laughs> amazing. And so they, they were juiced. I definitely saw the trailer. <laughs> they were juiced and they wanted to. And so they gave it to us for a very, very, very little money. Like oh, a hookup. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. No, it's a great song for sure. And yeah, we featured all artists from Oakland in the music. Yeah. Dion Decibels, their homie, the DJ, was our music supervisor. And like nice. he was able to really pull you know from friends favors yeah um and some old school hits that we didn't know about he brought them back yeah so it was cool you guys had some awesome guest stars too you had mr fab in there who was awesome he did a great job and then uh w come bell is that how you say his name well yeah i actually have a question about that mm-hmm. um because i know on like the second season am i wrong did you have rosario dawson as well yeah so what's that like for you as a director to be directing people who have like, you know, we're all independent, but it feels like working with someone who's got like a lot of clout to your name is a totally right. different league. So what's that like? What's that? How does that affect your process? Um, I think I'm lucky where I've never been starstruck. I'm not, I don't watch a lot of TV or movies and I'm always like, eh, people are people. So that definitely, that kind of, I don't know if it's cockiness or just not caring, helps me. Because when Rosario Dawson came on set, I was definitely like, all right, this is definitely by far the most famous, experienced person I've ever directed. Um, but ultimately, you just spend a little bit of time and it's a human being. And you talk about a character. And she was super chill. And like just, you know, I mean, a pro. Ultimately, like pros really direct themselves unless it's something much more complicated but it's like okay boom 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 and we're doing this and I was like look I was thinking maybe we could try this she was like okay yeah and then sometimes she was just like ooh let me do that again I know that wasn't right you know that's just experience you know she's like no let me do that again and I think it's uh, you learned a lot about following your instincts too it's like you know this character and you know what you're trying to get out of the scene and even if somebody with tons of experience still they want to be directed you know, and they want to get it right. And so that dynamic was the same as with anybody else. So how did you get her? Did you guys approach her management or something? Or did you have a personal connection? Or It's funny. We uh, Josh sent me a, a text that's a year ago. It was This was like two weeks ago. Like a year ago, I had said, like, Rosario Dawson is perfect. We should get her. Like as an executive producer, as somebody to find because we self-distributed season one and it's a learning lesson but you know if you don't have a bigger name attached or you're being distributed by something with more resources it's really hard to get it out there 
And so we needed a celebrity or somebody with clout that also had aligned with our politics, really, with our vision of the world. And she's super active, super involved. And so how this happened is through actually through Movement Generation. One of the folks there is an amazing speaker about climate justice. And she reached out to them, wanting to be more involved with movement stuff mm. and seeing what Movement Generation was about. And so we were like, well, tell them what we're doing on this side of things. <laughs> nice, awesome. And so she, they were like, we're working on this, this, and also this. And she was like, oh, that's cool. And so slowly we started nurturing that relationship and we pitched her with like three levels of involvement. We were like, we'd love it if you were in it. And you, we'd love it if you came on as a you know, collaborator. And uh, she was down for everything. Wow. Yeah. So did she help write as well? Or did she just kind of come in, you know, as a producer? Or? Yeah, as an executive producer, really. Okay. Which, you know, means more like involve um, to see how she can help us get it promoted. Nice. Samia, you got to ask another question. Because I've been talking too much. You've got you to just throw it. And don't even look up the list. You can just throw in some more no, questions. Yeah, no, no. I was just... Um because so, for you know you guys Samia just did her own web series like on her own mm-hmm. about similar topics set in Oakland too so I feel like this is like kind of really interesting to have you guys in the room together mm-hmm. because it's like one side where you guys have a little bit of funding you have an organization behind you you have an organization in general mm-hmm. and then Samia who's like this is your first ever film project, basically. Yeah, that you it's ever my first did. project. And um, you just like made it happen. You just went for it. That's dope. Yeah, it's self-funded. Um, and then we did a, a seed and spark as well. And then raised a little bit of cash because of people who came through and really liked us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's like, it's really interesting to see like you at a different stage <laughs> of the process. But I'm sure that stage also has its own challenges. And I'm wondering like, what are some of the challenges that you feel like you're facing right now? Um, well, definitely distribution is at this point for me a, a major challenge because you can, you know, work your ass off, spend a year developing something. And then if people don't see it, you know, like you, it has value and it's still going to be helpful, but like really you want it to move out there and you start seeing that, man, like you have to really know how to promote things and, and hustle and have meetings and talk and network, things that I hate doing. <laughs> and so I'm training myself to, you know, go out there and talk to folks and like make things sound good. I hate selling myself. I don't like you know, if usually my normal self, if you want to talk about, oh, what do you do? I'll be like, I'm a carpenter. <laughs> you don't even talk about nah, it. Nah. I'm in LA, I'm a carpenter. Oh, oh really? Because oh, okay. everybody's a filmmaker. Yeah. Everybody's in some, I'm just like, I'm a carpenter, man. I love making tables. <laughs> do you actually carpent? Yeah, I can. I, I Honestly, like, if I didn't do this, I'd be a carpenter. I'd be That's pretty cool. way happier. You finish a table in three days. <laughs> I've spent a whole year making a damn series. Like, yeah. you don't get instant gratification ever. No. So, uh, yeah, and it's interesting. Like, I, in terms of the series challenges, I mean, that's. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot. I think what I'm also curious about mm-hmm. is like, how I feel like, how did your priorities for what you were hoping to accomplish by season one change by season two? Was your priorities, um, were your priorities when you first started the show more community building? Mm-hmm. Um, was it more getting people to see it and eventually like distributing it to a larger mm-hmm. source? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the first season, there was a lot of desire to rep 
our people and mm. our community. You know, it definitely came from a, a communal feeling that we definitely had and that we wanted to highlight and highlight the struggle that was happening all around us. I mean, the house that we filmed at um, is our friend Dania Cabello's house. And, you know, her neighbors on both sides have been kicked out. The kids that she used to just have stopped by all the time don't live there no more. So gentrification is, is a big word and gets thrown around, but it's, it's extremely real for people in our community. And so before we our first day of filming, we, you know, we had a circle up and we talked about how this is like something very real and very real to this house that we're filming at and very personal to the homeowner here and a lot of our friends. And so there's definitely, but that's not just this project. I mean, me and Derek, I think boards agree on this, like all our projects that we want to do and have worked that we put our major effort on have that vibe that we want to make this mean something mm -hmm. for sure. And so that, for me as a director, this is an amazing relationship with Movement Generation because they used this series and went out throughout the country and showed it at community centers, showed it um, people self-organized in all these different cities that relate to the issues that we're showing. And it was used, you know, like folks were using this as an organizing tool and as a like motivational tool. And that was, yeah, season one for sure, that was like super gratifying. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely our priority, major goal. Yeah. Season two, we get greedy, now we want to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> also, the way we produced, the way we like executed was um, we wanted to be in, you know, in the real community. We got community to come out. We hired and worked with community. So it was like, you know, um, definitely trying to crew up that represents Oakland, um, giving people a chance to grow into their position, um, just like really supporting each other, just like, you know, um, nobody was, well, we had experts, we had professionals, but like, um, it was, it was really important for us to, to, to give people a chance to, to learn on the job and to um, um, contribute, you know, and part of it was like people who are learning or cheap, um, right. yeah. but but it was it was a very clear conscious decision to like make sure there were more people of color represented, more women, a lot of women um, heading up departments and. Um, giving their input and making sure people are heard and, um, you know, respected. So that was a, a huge part of it. For sure. Yeah. Like how you create something is just as important as what you create. Right. And sure. I feel like that's something I really cherish about this process. Yeah. This is what the whole team's been able to create in terms of the vibe, the love. Like it, to work on it feels good. Yeah. And, like, for the second season, we pretty much got our whole crew back. Everybody was just like, oh, that was my favorite thing to work on. And, ooh, ooh. Um, yeah, so it was – and then we just, like, added added to that. You know, they added some more people. Some people had, like, gotten bigger and had more work, so they, had, they could only do certain days. And we just, like, filled in with more great new people. Awesome. Yeah. 
So was there ever a thought to not self-distribute the first season and partner with like a company or get some kind of distribution going through other avenues? Because I mean, there's lots of different like partners you could distribute with if you have the right connections or a good enough show and your show is definitely like high quality. Like, you know, did, was that ever something that you guys tried to do or talked about or? We definitely talked about it, but mm. we never, we had an offer from uh, Studio 13, WG, it's W, some, what's the, WG is a, it's a studio, right? No. W-, w B W B <laughs> yeah they had they have a they have a underneath that one is like something and they we had talks with them that they would like what's it called when they they can hold your rights for a little bit try and sell it and see what oh, happens option they optioned it and we were like I, there was a different layer of like man we already have this done right yeah. we can wait another who knows how long. Or we just do it ourselves. And I feel like there was talks that was the closest we got to something that would right. also seem like you read those contracts and it's like, if we sell it, we might cut a new sizzle reel and then trying to get rewrites. Right. So then it's like, if you watch our show, which you should, there's a lot of strong politics and political views. And already thinking about a big studio, I was they're like, gonna start cutting they were out. like, oh, yeah. reference to Chevron, gone. Reference to this, gone. Right. So I was like... Why not? Me, Josh, Darren, I don't know if you were, I don't remember if you were. I was out of town. Yeah, he was out of town. We had to make that decision like in a week. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. I was like, nah. And so, yeah, we did it. I think I'd have just like, we already done this all by ourselves. Like, right. it's also like a level of like hours of work that you can put in something. Like, you get exhausted after a while, you know? Right. And ultimately, like, Josh carries alone a lot of the burden of fundraising mm-hmm. promoting distributing yeah. organizing like i'm not going to help him with that and, right and you know we're all got doing other hustles yeah. so at, at, one point work. Yeah, at one point it was like fuck it we're going to just put it out wow yeah. yeah and so when you guys put it out did you have like a like a strategy like in a pr team and everything working with you guys or did you just do it on your own we hired a pr team um I think uh, our relationship wasn't the best. Um, there was different opinions about going out on Facebook or YouTube. I just wanted a Vimeo. And I think... <laughs> true artist. True artist. <laughs> I don't care about likes or subscriptions, man. <laughs> Honestly, like I could, I could actually still think that was the right choice because on YouTube, you really don't have value unless you got views. True. On Vimeo... Um, High maintenance was on Vimeo for what two years, three years, disappeared for a little bit. Then it's there on HBO. Right. Like Vimeo still maintains. I mean, they probably asked for their views too, but I feel like it it keeps you in a space where you can still argue that you you don't have all these views because you're on Vimeo. Right. Right. It protects like, you. Right. Way. I'm independent, man. Like yeah. you want this gem? It's right here. Yeah. Whereas on YouTube, it's like oh, I'm around and all these. Everybody's on here, and yeah. I don't have as many views as some influencer you know, some putting on yeah. makeup like god damn it yeah. so so popular now or video games yeah. so <laughs> there was conversations uh, actually and also a strategy I mean this is a good lesson we had a great trailer get yourself a good trailer but don't burn all your press and all your effort on promoting the trailer and I think that was something that we did wrong like we got tons of press tons of like really good press on the trailer but not on the actual when the show not came on out. The show, so uh, you have to like 
really strategize when your things come out, when you schedule your press, all these different elements. There's, there's actually, there's, there's, I mean, there's more strategy to it, but that mm-hmm. was one thing that we really like burned quickly yeah. before our show really came out. So Samia's about to release her show. Yeah, yeah. So what should she do and not do when she hits in March? Man, since if I didn't manage any of it, so I don't really know. But I think you should release all at once. That was a big dialogue conversation we had. Like, do we go episode by episode or all at once? And I definitely think all at once is the way to go because it's really hard to get people coming next Tuesday, you know, like that <laughs> amount of effort. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. So I don't know which, yeah. if you're even debating about that or not. Oh, no. Like, I feel like it has always been from the get-go. All at once, mm-hmm. yeah. I think the challenge now is that, like, one versus eight, you know? That's three years in between. It's skills changing. That's oh. crew changing. But I still think you'll be fine by a wholeheartedly review. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know how to distribute the best way, but I definitely learned that our first show, our first episode has to have a good hook at the end. Like, has to be, has to grab you. And I think, like, our first episode on season one doesn't have the best hook. And it's a little too complicated. Um, so that was a lesson, for sure. Yeah, I definitely, to be honest, I watched the first episode and I was going to watch the rest and then I didn't watch episode two until today. Yeah. So, I mean, and then I, there were some episodes where it was it was easy to just go right into the next one because yeah. it was exciting, exactly. you know? Yeah. And I feel like you guys really hit your stride at episode four or five For and sure. it was really getting really dope yeah. by then. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the learning curve there too, yeah. It's like the first episode was the toughest to edit, yeah. the hardest to come around well, it's kind yeah. of the kind of the, the concept of the first episode is kind of out there too you know in yeah. a way i mean yeah. not to you know but it's just no it's great it's, it's abstract you know uh which i like i like abstract yeah. things but i think for the average viewer it's like yeah. interesting that was based on a real like dania cabello again she and her two good friends roommates at the time uh one of her friends um had gone to a safari Oh, yeah. I don't remember where in Africa. And he was totally offended by what that looked like, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like the Europeans coming and, like, putting their gaze and their judgment on right. native, both native peoples and native species, right? right? And they were like, man, we should do a North Oakland safari. Uh. And so that definitely came from them, the idea that they had. But doing that is one really hard and really sensitive. Yeah. Right? Like how yeah. you how you maneuver yeah. just putting animal labels on people yeah. can go wrong very easily. So that was a tough one to write and orchestrate. And then explaining the metaphor of like North Oakland, North Pole. We had to do it in the first episode. Yeah. I think you guys did it. You guys nailed it. Thanks. Yeah. But still yeah. made it. I think that that's the difficult thing about first episodes. It's like there's a checklist. Right. Must hit that, 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 that. And it kind of like can feel stifling in the creative process. Did you feel that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I learned, thinking about it now, I don't think you would have had to explain the North Pole metaphor in the first episode. It's more important to hook you than to explain things to you. Right. So I think if you hook somebody by the first episode, even if you don't dive into the main metaphor of the show uh, you have six other episodes to get to the core so you have a question Samia? yeah I know you had also said you don't watch stuff but I was going to ask if you were familiar with web series before you made this 
And what kind of web series you looked for as inspiration um, or looked to? I don't think I'd watched any before this, but I definitely started watching them when we were like, okay, we're going to do this. Um, it's also weird length. They're like all 10 minutes. Um, I was a big fan of High Maintenance. Yeah, I was a big fan. Actually, uh, yeah, right. I did. We, we used to talk about High Maintenance. So uh, I liked High Maintenance a lot. Me and Darren would talk about it. We liked mm-hmm. that it was you could, it was different tones. Some mm-hmm. episodes were really funny. Some were really serious. Yeah. Our, our season has that. Um, yeah. And just like looking at it production wise, it was just like, damn, that was hella smart. Yeah. You know, one pretty. location. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. just take your time to establish the environment and then like get in, get out. And I was like, whew, that was great. It's great filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> yeah, is really dope. brilliant like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a lot of it too. Yeah. I think the really cool thing that I was observing from that, and that's another question I have for you, is mm-hmm. that like when you're creating a world like this, it seems like, you know, in terms of your vision, they're like set rules. It's like this is like the thing we do. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's like for you, what was like this is a set rules, this is what we can experiment with, this is what we can't change. Hmm. That's a good question. Um Honestly, a lot of, as a director, a lot of my limitations were uh, placed on myself by budget. So mm-hmm. I knew that for a lot of us, this was like a new experiment. And so I was like, I want to make sure that we get this done. So I, I feel like our first season is pretty basic in, in directing terms, in terms of shot construction um, I definitely happy with second season. Gave myself way more freedom to experiment. You know, there's a, there's a mushroom trip, so we go out there. You know, there's Fun. there's a Fun. lot more things to play with. Um, so I, in general, played it pretty safe, and I gave myself the luxury to do homage to Spike Lee uh, twice. So I'm very happy about that. So I gave myself certain moments, maybe each episode, to try something that I always wanted to do. You know. But you look at it, there's like one dolly shot in the whole show. So everything else, very little handheld, where I'm mostly, I'm a, I love a very different style of filmmaking. So I played it really safe. In terms of writing in the world, um, I think Oakland and who these characters are, based on who we know, were our limitations. You know, like this person wouldn't say that. Although we are trying to create characters that are complex and don't fit to the traditional boxes of who these folks are. Mm-hmm. I think we still try to really keep to reality and keep to, you know, it's not sorry to bother you, that you have right. a, tons of freedom of, even if those takes place in Oakland, some fools are not talking like they're from Oakland and, you know, and you can do other things and whatever, you create your own world. We definitely wanted to create a world that felt real. And the most, the strongest feedback I get that I like is like, oh, that felt like those were my friends those are my community that's what I do so that was those were I don't know if the limitations sound like a negative thing but that that was the structure of our world you know making something that felt real and so when you approach directing a scene was it all like very like tightly scripted out word for word or did you let the actors improvise and let things kind of flow free like how, how did you approach that side of it as a director because we needed like our days were packed we shot it in 12 days mm-hmm I cracked the whip. Yeah, so me and Darren both 
are really aware of time and money. Mm. Like I'm a director, I'm not just going out and I want to create this. And so it was very tightly scripted. Um, season two, we played more. And like that was an agreement amongst the actors, but they had all done a season with us already. Right. Two of them were in the writer's room. So we knew that, yo, in this scene, like, you know what's supposed to happen. Let's let's do one safe, but let's play. Season one, it was like boom, boom, boom. So there was no alt lines. There was no, like, you know, try it this way or, like, throw it out, try something completely different. Very few times. Yeah, our schedule was super tight. Yeah. But we were all scheduled. We were like, we didn't go over, but maybe one day for like thirty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Like it was, yeah. it was only one second meal. I mean, the one time that we changed the line was for Erica Huggins. Okay. Who's an ex Black Panther? Oh yeah. You know, been persecuted by the CIA, and yeah. the line that I came up with in my sleep was, "Just because a motherfucker shoe shine, don't mean he got a foot fetish." Oh yeah. And she was like, "Well." I'm not gonna say motherfucker. <laughs> and can instead of a he, can it be a she? And I was like, uh, oh, I'm yeah. sure, Erica, I'm not gonna say no to you. And so <laughs> she said, just because a sister shines shoes, don't mean she got a foot fetish. <laughs> Did you guys reach out to any other Black Panthers? Or was she the only one? Nah, she was the only one. Okay. Yeah, because she was, uh, she knew Raina from, since Raina oh, was a little girl. Okay. Like, oh, so she was actually close to Raina. Okay. She, they know each other. Yeah. I mean, Raina's uh, from the town. She knows everybody. Right. And um, and Josh also had a relationship with her. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah I've done some work with Bobby Seal. Nice. Um, a bunch of little small projects for him, documentary stuff, trying to get a documentary off the ground like four times over six years with him. And he's a really interesting <laughs> man and really like a legend. It's an honor mm-hmm. to work with him. Tight. But I, I think I met Erica once during that time. But uh, but yeah. yeah. So that was cool. It was fun to see her pop up in there. Yeah, she's super. She's sweet. Yeah. Like, and it's funny, like, you know, she's not an actress. So that was a challenge. That's a challenge right there. I was in the trunk of that car. Oh, really? Shit. Pulling focus. Damn. While we drove around, feeding her lines. Wow. And yeah, that was, that's how you do it sometimes. Well, where was Mickey during that? He was sitting in my house. Oh, really? Yeah. And we just. <laughs> <laughs> why was it? Why was it? Why wasn't he pulling focus? Because mm-hmm. I needed to direct, so oh. we didn't have enough things. Oh, you didn't have enough room. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was, it was a Prius. His Grandma Panther drives a Prius. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and it was all rigged. It was a. Uh, we had a one. We had a cat. Uh, a tray mount. Yeah. And then. And then no, it was Mickey's car. It wasn't a Prius. Oh, that's right. It was a uh, the, tiny car, anyways. Yeah. Whatever that is. <laughs> It seems like you guys have, I don't, like, you've conquered the Bay. Whoa. Well, not conquered it. Well, people know you. Like, I mean, let's be real. People know you. People know the show. Right? So it's like, what is, like, where is the place that you want to take it now? Also, um, maybe I asked that question at a totally different time, but, like, making a series is pretty Mm time-consuming. It's taking you three years. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of time. A lot of work invested so like how do you balance like series creation with other works that you want to create so first question was well when next we conquered yeah. the day yeah. conquered the day. <laughs> conquered the day. i mean obviously you know what i mean people know you so like what is and you like, guys got mad press you're yeah. on IndieWire, you know yeah, yeah. chronicle like all these places nbc whatever the list is super long so where do you want it to go now what do you want to do with it well, North Pole wise, like North Pole, yeah. I, I feel like 
I'm excited that it's even in season two it starts this it's branching out from being just an Oakland show I mean it still takes place in Oakland and everything but it becomes a very international story with Benny right like there's more Spanish in this season uh, we get to know his family and it becomes uh, a story of migration right and so I'm excited for it to become a more international human story and and if there was to be a season three, I mean, just to let you guys know where my brain goes, I wanted season two to end with Nina walking in the real North Pole. Like, Nina disappears. Mm-hmm. Nobody oh. knows where she's at. <laughs> and the final shot is her walking in the snow in the North Pole. Wow. Right? Like, she's going to go find the real polar bears. Okay. <laughs> and so that's where my brain goes creatively. And that's not how this season two is. <laughs> you might guess why. <laughs> But you know, yeah, that's what I, I would like the North Pole to to dive into because you know the story that they deal with is very like folks in Baltimore relate, you know, folks in Detroit mm-hmm. relate, uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, New York, obviously. Yeah, Brooklyn has got plenty yeah. of shows that deal with the same thing. Yeah. But I feel like the climate side of our show makes this a very international story, a very you know world story. And, yeah, I think I don't want to do another just the Oakland show. You know, I like it to be Oakland folks expanding and relating to something broader. I don't know if that's... I mean, that's real. Even on a gentrification end of things or, like, just, like, a change in environment, I actually think that that's global. Yeah. You know, there are lots of, like... Same things happening in London, same things happening in Lagos. And those are like two places, two cities that I'm like intimately familiar with. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's all relatable on that front. And global warming is affecting all of us, whether or not we choose to admit it. Um, People. (laughs) 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 So I think on that front, like thinking in that sense, do you think that like there is a certain way in which you want to appeal to a broader global audience? Like more stories you want to tackle, even in terms of like global warming, other cities. Like, do you, how do you want to continue the story from here? Uh, I mean, I think I think that's why we were excited about this second season. That we wanted those elements in the first season. That like through Benny, who's an immigrant, um, who's you know fleeing for certain reasons. I don't want to like give up the details of the second season but like there's there's so many entry points for that character to like talk about uh you know social inequity all kinds of things that like are global um and uh yeah i think I'm trying to think how how do we end in the first season? The first season like was this cliffhanger of like yeah. what's gonna happen next? Like what are you gonna do? this is what are you gonna do? Yeah. yeah, and I think the second season we uh, seasons beyond. There's a lot to be said about you know uh, all these issues that we've we've talked about that we that could, we could explore in other places. So I, I, like I agree with with Yvonne like um, not just centering in Oakland, but like taking Oakland folks and making connections amongst other cities, whether they're like in the same state 
the same country or across the planet, you know. Just keep it an Oakland show because we don't have very many shows <laughs> about Oakland, set in Oakland, made in Oakland. So just, yeah. you know, you can go appeal to the international, whatever. But yeah, let's just yeah. make sure we stay, keep it an Oakland show. All right, yeah. that's real. No, yeah. and Derek made me think about it like, to answer it in a different way. I agree. It's uh, a first season was kind of establishing the issues and then asking what you're going to do. And so where I would take it is to dive deeper into solutions. And that's the hardest thing. Like, also as movement folks, like, we're always talking about the issues or just reacting to what's happening. But, like, I want the North Pole, the carrots of the North Pole to provide solutions. At least try things, even if they don't work out. Like, that's what, I mean, that's what happens in season two. It's, like, confronting a very real situation with immigration and the reaction that's happening now. And how, how do we confront that? You know, how do we deal with it? Mm. And it's, you know, it's a very unique response that happens. But, like, I love that our show is trying things out, you know, and it might spark some real ideas for other people. And so moving on, I, I, I would like to keep doing that. I would like these characters to kind of try <laughs> solutions to this world that we have. Yeah. That's real. Well, that was that was the, an interesting part of like writing too. It was just like we're talking about real issues. There's real problems. Like it's kind of like what are what are we literally gonna do ourselves yeah, no, too? It's real. Like, it's really you know, real. like we're making this thing, and then it's like these are characters that we know. We're in this. Like, what are we doing ourselves and? Um, you know, yeah. as filmmakers, it's like that's kind of like what we're attempting is to keep pushing it and making things that are saying things. But mm. yeah, like coming up with solutions, <laughs> this is like I don't know. <laughs> we're gonna fix global warming and world peace yeah. all in one web series. Yeah. <laughs> that was like our homework for first season. We read yeah. Naomi Klein's uh, what's it called? Uh, this changes everything. <laughs> Which scared the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. I wow. read that and I was like, oh my God, we have to make this work. We have to, like, we have to make this. Everybody has to see this. <laughs> so, one of the questions I had um, was you know, this, this story is about Oakland and about these characters from Oakland. And, you know, like, Josh isn't from Oakland. Mm-hmm. You're not from Oakland. And mm-hmm. then Yvonne, you're you were moved here when you were what, fifteen, you said? Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of a challenge, right? If like mm-hmm. the three creators aren't don't really share the story of the main characters. So mm-hmm. we talked about it a little bit, like you guys reached out to people in your community, people you knew to kinda, mm-hmm. you know, help you bring some like realism to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But what else did you guys do and how, how, was that like something that you were worried about from the beginning that you wanted to make sure to you know, not have that be a problem, or do you not think about it? Um, well, for myself, I'm I uh, my family's from Oakland, so my oh, mother's okay. my mother's family is is been in West Oakland forever for oh, like okay. five generations. Richmond and West Oakland. Oh, okay, cool. So I have in I have a, a relationship to it all. Like the neighborhood has definitely changed in West Oakland okay. in the Lower Bottoms, which is now yeah press. Got district again, I guess. I oh yeah! Wow. So it's um, yeah, my family has seen a bunch 
of right. coming and going and the policing and the since the 80s and it's kind of one of the reasons why we left and was uh, okay. able to come back uh, okay um so, so you weren't necessarily here the whole time didn't grow right, up here right, but, right, but you right, had right. your family was yeah, here so you do have a connection yeah, yeah, so that's something yeah, you can draw yeah, off of yeah. so there's that um but i i i do not say i'm from oakland you know like right. i feel like it's a it's a special thing to claim and to right. like have you know um i went to high school in seattle you know right, but coming right. back you know um i i have a particular respect for for oaklanders who have made it who are still around uh, right. or alive <laughs> yeah you know like or who have found their niche and and are artists or doing positive things so like i have in, uh, like incredible respect and and love for oakland and people from oakland yeah so that's where yeah, i yeah. came from it. yeah yeah i mean, for me it's weird i uh i do claim chile a lot but i mean i gotta recognize the oakland i've been in oakland more than half my life and as much as it hurts me to say i'm largely american i do claim oakland quite a bit and uh yeah i do say i'm from oakland um well, i mean you went to high school there i mean i think that you know yeah i mean i guess yeah I mean, I... I do get that kind of, like, dual identity yeah. thing, though, where it's, like, a part of you is, like, I don't really want to see American because that comes with stuff. Right. But saying you're from Oakland kind of feels different, yeah. so I feel right. like I'm okay with it because Oakland has some... very It's a very different place in the United mm-hmm. States, you know? And, yeah, I mean, I learned English in Oakland. I lost my virginity in Oakland, you know? That makes you from a place, you know what I'm saying? That's all But I do feel you, and it's interesting, like, where... What is home is actually one of the main topics in my creative life, mm, you know? Because yeah. I also, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the son of exiles. I grew up in eight different countries in Latin America. Like, we always moved. And so I was, like, observing what makes a place that place was right. something that I was trained as a child. You know, I was a little kid. I arrived in a new country, and I spoke the accent of that country right away. And so I came here, and I had to learn English, which makes it even hard. But I definitely, like made this place my part of me quickly yeah. you know what I'm saying and then when I went to school in LA I saw a huge difference of how people from LA are so different from this and I was like what the hell I thought all Americans were the same <laughs> no and so just like my first project in college when I came out of it it was pretty much the North Pole I mean I came here every two weeks to film and I made a film about my friends in Oakland that played at Bushrod Park play oh, soccer okay. every Sunday so I feel like telling a story about this place that is the place I've lived in the most in my life. Yeah. Is it was a natural, it's a natural progression sense, of yeah. just my creative process of talking about what's family to me. Yeah, you and know? you have a deep respect for it too because you've been here and you know lots of people who grew up here for and sure. you're like part my, of the community. Yeah. And know? the houses that I stayed at when I was in high school is like at least three cousins that I grew up with mostly and a lot of other friends are born and raised here. You know, yeah. and this was, even though they're like, they're sons of Chileans, they're sons of immigrants, but they're more Oakland than they are Chilean. Right, you know? And so right. it's like recognizing those those traits and those differences. Like, I mean, sometimes it takes people, sadly, and I mean this in films in Chile also, like people that have a little step outside to find the beauty and the problems of a place inside, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying I have a better perspective than somebody that's born and raised here, but doesn't mean I 
I don't love it and don't like yeah. identify with it and like want to highlight it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like I'm from Berkeley, like in two miles from the Oakland border, <laughs> right. and I don't claim Oakland because, right. you know, I know that's just not mine to claim, you know, but I can claim the area, which is For nice, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think like the whole idea, the, the whole idea of claiming places yeah. is also a very interesting I was gonna go concept there. to yeah. me as well. Yeah. Like as someone who's like, not sort of from this country it's right. like that's an especially when you've moved around so much with yeah. you've been like political asylum and yeah. this and yeah. that it's like it becomes this thing where it's like where even is wherever anymore mm-hmm. right you're just blowing around and it's like okay well i'm here and i'm making it home and so it's always really fascinating to meet people who have like lived a good portion of their life somewhere and they still have like childhood friends they can go knock on their door i'm like this is super cool mm-hmm. um yeah i'm just always interested in, in how like different people treat the place that they live in absolutely me too and that we touch on that because mm-hmm. i used to really hold on to like the oakland pride right yeah. like oakland but then if you really dissect it there's a level of nationalism to it right it's mm-hmm. a level of like territorialism <laughs> and yeah. there's very negative things that can come from that and I feel like Nina in our first season, she's an open nationalist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we're de- we're also addressing that, like. Yeah, she's like grilling people about like yeah. you know Oakland history that like exactly. only like yeah. people who live in Oakland probably wouldn't even know. Yeah, yeah. So we definitely wanted to dive into that. And it's like, man, like this guy Finn, he's an outsider. I mean, he's he's a little different, but he's cool. You yeah. I'm saying he's gonna grow more in season two also, but like. Yeah, it's 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 a complicated thing to really hold on to some. And I know friends who have never left. Yeah, shout out to all my homies who've never left. Like I think that's a problem. Right. Well, never left. Like never visited other places. Some or people like, have never traveled. Wow, yeah. crazy. You know. And now, of course, that's an economic thing too. But like, man, I just like, I feel all of the homies who haven't left could have gone and spent at least half a year somewhere else in yeah. LA. At least, man, like. I feel like that happens like in all different types of communities around the world. Like people just get in their places and they don't really want to like, leave, you know? And it, it limits your perspective. I mean, yeah, it does. Um, so we're running a little out of time here. Sami, so, I got a, another couple of last questions. Do you have a last question that you can ask? Or do you guys have anything else you want to say? Or Yeah. We could talk all day. I know, for real. <laughs> Just make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've talked a lot about the North Pole, and yeah. I'm really kind of curious about where, like, you guys, you both are. Because mm-hmm. okay, I'm, before we do that, I have some more North Pole questions. So I got okay. one more. You can ask that question. That last question about the North Pole is, like, through this whole process, like, I want you both to answer this question. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the most challenging, like, thing that you had to overcome in making this show? Like, what was something that was really, really hard for you, like, in this whole the whole process? And Darren, you go first. Oh, man. For the first season or second season? Or whole, just the whole, everything? Oh, uh, man. Um, not having enough money. <laughs> Honestly. Like, yeah. I, it was just, um, like I said, with having some people that weren't experienced and, like, giving people opportunity to grow, like, it became my responsibility to, like, plug in where we needed to Mm -hmm. so it just it was exhausting it was like you know we never went over time you know it was a a real 12 hour day right um but 
my day was was really long. It was like twenty hour days, so like lugging things. They're doing like six person. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it was just like, um, but it was gratifying to like by the end of a season have you know somebody who's either not, neither never been on set mm. or has limited uh, experience, and by the end like I could recommend them to like you know I got a I got a PA for you I got a uh, AC or somebody who can grow and yeah you know Fly it away. was there yeah it was there like film yeah. school nice you know and that's that was, awesome. that was cool but hard was well, really quick s- small question uh-huh. for your twelve hour days do you subtract your lunch from that twelve hours or is that included in the twelve hours included oh there you go yeah yeah so you don't you don't you don't make it a twelve and a half hour three, thirteen hour day yeah no, we're trying that's good getting it out. Nice. Feed everybody. There you go. And yeah. the great thing about our scheduling, which I recommend anybody to do if they can, is it wasn't, we would shoot at the most three days in a row. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't do five days on, two days nah. off? No. And it's so much better for yeah. your life. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm planning a feature right now, and right now I'm looking at five-day weeks, so maybe I'll reconsider. Yeah. But I know that's a lot, oftentimes what crews want. They want it in, in the in the tight chunks so they can get on and do other jobs. But yeah. it's good to have breaks. What was the one you always give me as an example? I took breaks. Uh, oh, so I worked on uh, Steve Jobs and we had a, a, a big break. We had breaks in between each act. Oh, wow. Um, and the whole crew, the whole production office everybody just loved having a chance to like breathe and catch up and like with our the the way we scheduled was like give people a chance to like you know they're not getting their full rate on our our job but like they could at least get two three days on their own to freelance and make up so how big were your breaks on that um like like three days off five days off on on jobs Oh, job? No, it it we were, we were doing five day five oh, day weeks, okay. but it was there was a um, there were breaks in between the acts. Well, as like far as, like one one week break, oh, two break. week break, uh, like two two weeks. Two weeks. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, the, and then for you guys, was it three days on, three days off, or for North Pole, or it was like three four days on, and then. Three, four. It depends. Okay. On, well, depending you know, on, depending on the location. Oh, right. or, but roughly, or, but middle of the yeah. weeks were off. You know, you oh, okay. like, yeah. say, we have never worked a Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, really? So wow. you know, weekends is like you get a you get a one day rental. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, there you go. Kind of like using it for work. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. For sure. Nice. Okay. Yeah. What, what about you? Biggest challenge? Biggest challenge? Uh, I got two. I'll keep it real. Uh, Josh had a major writer's block um, oh, wow. season two midway and like we, uh, this show almost didn't happen oh um, shit and so like did you jump in and do some writing yeah and I, and I did ther- therapy and that's what it takes you know what I'm saying like it, it, we all get blocks and mm. it does take sometimes you know collaboration for sure to get through and so like I mean I, it was harder to get season two off the ground than season one for sure Wow. And so that was like a grind. Mm. And then I really wanted to push season two uh, visually, you know, aesthetically blocking dollies, a lot of handheld. 
and some crazy setups on like we stretched our capacity to the limit the like very I, limit i was yeah. wow we had a two camera crew at one point i mean two camera crews and oh, wow. it was like man and 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 we were filming in in the forest at one point with with like metal fences in the forest and it's just like building a fire and it's just like we <laughs> we were doing things that require a much bigger budget yeah. and a much bigger crew and so that's what happens I mean sometimes you want to push your creativity and these be really creative and I'm glad I'm glad we did it you know mm-hmm. like season one we played it safe and so season two we pushed it but it was hard like I was beat wow by the end of some days there mm-hmm. and and stressed man I don't get stressed easily but there was days where I was just like I need to get this done in how many hours how many shots like <laughs> right. one of our shot lists from it was ridiculous but man we was just like it's really it. good training you know and, and we did it did you guys have an assistant director yeah we had two nice first and second ADs awesome amazing folks nice mm-hmm. you wanna give my shout out yeah Darius Bell and Ayana Ziegler Nice. Awesome. All right. So, so get to your questions. Just a quick question, like, <laughs> about being, like, on set of the Nutball. In hindsight, you know, it seems like you can look on it and you can be like, oh, man, I got through that. That was great. But I know we're talking about challenges. I have definitely had moments where I'm like, I'm going to go in the bathroom and maybe not cry very slowly, you know? I'm not afraid to admit I cry all the time. Um, it's just like a stress response. Yeah, totally about it. Did you have any moments where you're like, I need to go collect my face in like a different spot and then come back and look pretty for the morale of the team? I never look pretty. <laughs> mm. Darren, for sure. Yeah, I, I had, well, I mean, I lost two family members. Um, well, in the second season, I lost two family members. Um, one right before production and another, like, in the middle. I'm sorry um, to hear that. Yeah, so it was, it was you know, I, I had to leave, you know, um, for, like, a couple of day well one shooting day and then like you know when we have the break it's usually like i gotta like scramble and make sure that we have everything in order for the next the next batch of days um so yeah that was rough uh but i think again like being super supportive of each other and like being really well prepared and like um everybody being able to wear multiple hats like is is where you gotta you gotta have that team you gotta have family it was a yeah. family atmosphere too like you know having the the crew from the first season be there for the second season to help out and to like you know support new people too and cool. you know it was just yeah that was hard yeah. I'm sure. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really challenging. Yeah. yeah, and I especially feel like because you are like the leader, not necessarily the leader, but you know, you lead these people. They look mm-hmm. to you for answers, mm-hmm. you know. You often have to keep your face together and keep it going even through yeah. the challenges. And I feel like how do you not 
break in front of other people sometimes? Yeah. Or do you give yourself permission to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just, um, yeah, I, I had to step away, but like we, we, we had clear um, jobs, you know, job limitations or boundaries and um, having the support, um, you know, in both while we're filming both the first and second season, like I tried not to be in the creative spaces, like make sure that all the logistics are solid, you know, like don't I don't want to I don't really want to I'm going to watch it with everybody else when it's on the big screen. Yeah, you're you just know? logistically focused. Yeah. You don't care about being on set and yeah. seeing it happen. You're just like, what needs yeah. to get done? And, th and that's when I produce things. That's my yeah. brain, too. It's like, it's just, okay, you guys are shooting. It's happening on schedule. Yeah. AD's happy. Okay, I'm going to go away yeah. and make sure that we have, you know, lunch for later or snacks yeah. or that, you know, the bathroom is working. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's great. That's, I mean, yeah. that's a sign of an amazing producer is to be able to do that and yeah. not be married to the monitor, which I see sometimes happens with yeah. producers. And it's like, you know. Yeah, the only time I saw Darren, like, kind of almost yell at me was when we were taking too long one time. A few times. Oh, really? He yelled yeah. at you? No, he almost yelled at me. Almost. <laughs> Darren don't yell. He, just, <laughs> he goes in. I just know him. I said, oh, that's Darren yelling. It's just a very, very quiet, big-eyed face. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, and I was like, man, yeah, I'm trying to get this shot. It's yeah. Not my problem that this thing happened. Yeah. Well, then one time I just I stopped the car somewhere just to get. I'm a look. So to answer your question about me, I've been very guerrilla filmmaking before. I also come from a very like, I guess working class background. Like I worked construction all my summers during college, right? And that's how I paid for the little bit I had to pay for college. But like, I always just think of people working construction or labor or mining, and I'm always like, man. So I have this almost to a fault, always a comparison to like really the privilege that I have of being struggling in this way. Right. Yeah. Like, so, like struggling on a film set. Right. It's like, like you it's be doing, my choice. Yeah. And yes. It's not brain surgery. No one's going to die. No one's going to die. And <laughs> Although you, you'd think that people were dying the way that the people way. treat people yeah, sometimes. Sure. You know, it does yeah. feel life or death if yeah. no one's dying. And it's easier with a set. Or everybody's love. Like we have close to zero egos on that set. Like, oh, really? and that's just who we picked. And the, and I think even people that might have egos on other sets that are with us, just with us. Like we know it's not gonna fly. Like we're here, we're family, and this is obviously a passion project mm -hmm. in a way. I think part of that was like, I mean, for myself, was like respecting the crew. Like I've been. Been in your shoes. Right. I've been, been like that PA yeah. in that department. Been yeah. that PA in that department, <laughs> and like yeah. you know, yeah. everybody on set wants to be a creator, and like you know, and is giving their time. So like, I want them to enjoy themselves, and then, and if it's hard yeah. and it's, you're not enjoying yourselves, I want you to eat well. I want you to yeah. feel respected. Oh, Darren gets us the best food. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's so that's a huge thing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so me jumping in there and being like, yo, man, like, we're getting into lunch or we're, we're pushing our crew and people are starting to frazzle a little bit, you know, like, yeah. it's on behalf of the, the crew, you know, like, I, 
you know, we're yeah. There's a couple people that get to be a creative, and the rest of the people are kind of like workers. Workers, yeah. Worker bees, yeah. You know? We make sure that they get something out of it, mm-hmm. and you know that they get respected and treated yeah, yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's huge, man. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I see that more and more on sets where that's mm-hmm. the mentality. And when I first started, there was a lot of yelling and a lot of firing yeah, in yeah. certain jobs that I was on, and I feel like I'm seeing that less and less now, mm-hmm. which is really, really nice. Yeah, maybe I'm just not on big enough sets anymore. But <laughs> I feel like I know I've been on some big sets where it's it's been chill too. So yeah. I mean, that was my experience in LA. It's just the, the hierarchy, the patriarchy of it, like all mm-hmm. these like levels. Yeah, and like I don't touch that shit. I mean, I understand we all need yeah. order and rules, but like I didn't. I've never vibed on on that level. Right. Well, there's all like kind of the elitism and stuff, yeah. and department mm-hmm. heads like looking down at other people yeah. in departments, or you know. Yeah, and I hate fucking directors that won't move a chair. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Like, move a chair in a sandbag if you need to. Like, yeah, we show up in the morning and we dress the place, like, mm-hmm. whatever, man. So I know we had some questions about other projects. We do not have time for those questions, I don't think, unless you can make it super quick, Samia. Um. So yes. North Pole, you've done uh, it. Uh-huh. Cool. I also want to know what are you working on, and how. I know it's not quick, but how do you balance like creating a show takes a really long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I um, what's the name of that sh- Empire? Mm. I don't know if you know about it. Oh, I love Empire. So Lee first Dan- two seasons, at least. Lee Daniels was talking about how like when he first created the first season of Empire, because he was like a traditional filmmaker. Mm. He's like, I'm gonna make a show. It's gonna be great. I'll put all my energy and resources into it. Awesome. And then after the first season, he was like, wait, I got to make another one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he's used to like, you wash your hands of it, move you on. move on to your next project. Mm. We all have that desire as filmmakers to be constantly doing things, you know? Mm. So, and creating an episodic series is a totally different beast. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that desire to create other things and other stories and tell other kinds of stories and working with something that's so time consuming and its own entity. I have a great partner and uh, supportive family. Um, and I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> and, you know, you, you chip away at it. You know, like, um, you might be working on one thing and you're just like thinking about, like, I'm going to write this when I get some time. And then when you get the time, you just. Spit it out, and then like you're drawing other things, and you're like, it's just always several pots burning. Like, I've been writing, you know, like you said, you've been writing something for the past five years. Yeah, I've been working on something for like eight years. Yeah, and like looking at it now, I'm like, damn, I gotta start all over, you know, like (laughs) this is like, this is crap. (laughs) but like um, you know now I'm uh, uh, creating a triage of like these are the things that like feel like I can do with the resources I have so I'm going to devote my energy to this but like I'm always going to like come back to this when I can and just doodle with it and like play with it so it's it's just kind of just chipping away at everything and just keep the wheels spinning but when you were on um, the North Pole, were you uh-huh. doing other things at the same time? Or was it more like you're just completely focused on the North Pole, and then when you're done, it's like, okay, now I can put some energy into these other projects? Um, well, yeah. While we were on the North Pole, <laughs> you ain't doing nothing I had, I, yeah. 
<laughs> Nothing no, else. You can't. Yeah, it's just like you can't. Like, I mean, the, what, month, I, the month before production and right, all during production, right, right, right. you ain't doing nothing yeah, else. Yeah, you're just living and breathing production. Yeah. yeah. But as soon as it's over, you sleep for about three, four days, do some mushrooms, and <laughs> chain alter your mind, and then come back like... There you go. Yeah, what, what balance, you, the balance yeah. is difficult for sure. I mean, during production, yeah, I don't do much else. But like now we're editing season two. And it's just about making lists and and trying to be strict about what days you do what. So like I dedicate, I mean now we're doing more like three days to edit, split them up. The other two days I have to write at some point the screenplay I'm working on. I'm producing Darren's next short. Mm-hmm. We're, we're switching places. And so it's about, yeah, just making your days be jam-packed with the different projects that you got. Mm-hmm. And my Priority is for sure to make a feature next, uh, and I've been writing also the screenplay forever, uh, and that's that's really what I want to put my energy into next. And uh, you know, Darren's going—he's a writer director of his next short film, and I'm producing it, and it's, it's going to be awesome. Nice, awesome, yeah. guys. So the last question is: When is season two coming out of the North Pole, and what, when can we see it? I don't have a date, okay, and I'm not even trying to be sneaky or exciting. I just really don't know. Uh, it really depends on what we can finagle in terms of distribution. Are you guys going to self-distribute again, or are you thinking about going to other avenues? I'd definitely rather do a different avenue, okay. but we'll see what comes around. Okay. So it might be a while then, because like those it, deals like you were talking about earlier, they could take a while. Exactly. So yeah, we don't know... Uh, at all okay. I'm just uh, really trying to keep pushing but well, everybody watch season one it's awesome yeah yeah it's Thank out you. there now you can check it out mm-hmm. um, and then I'm sure as soon as there's news on season two that you'll let everybody know yeah, yeah. nice awesome thank you okay you get one last final question Ooh. but if you if you want or you can <laughs> you can forfeit it because I have one last thing I'm gonna I'm curious about like, I knew you were gonna forfeit it. I, I was gonna forfeit it, but I knew it was like these stories that you've been working on for five and eight years. I'm yeah. curious about them. What are they about? Are you allowed to talk okay, about yeah, it? Okay, yeah, but okay, but you have to keep it like Super thirty seconds. Super brief. Super okay, brief. Darren, Just thirty like, seconds. Go. Whoa, thirty seconds. Yeah. Uh, I'm working on a western. Ah, cool. Uh, Buffalo Soldiers, and then wait, uh, that's the one you've working on for eight years? Is the western? No, oh, but okay. that's one that I'm super excited about, and like. <laughs> okay. um, like dabbling on and the other one is like a zombie flick kind cool. of technically wow. a zombie but it's about perception and fear and how it influences people's wow. imagination is that the one that you've been working on for eight years or is that something that's, else that's the eight-year-old one and then nice. the one that i'm working here at the uh residency is a personal story that i kind of like just pulled out of my back pocket this past year and it's so which one do you think you're going to make first? Probably the one that I'm working on right now oh, okay. at Filmhouse. It, okay. just, it makes the most sense. It mm-hmm. like Production-wise, Like I, I know I can make this. Okay. Um, and the connections I have from the, the bigger studio things that I've worked on, I think it, it makes more sense for me to bring them that than some kind of crazy zombie, zombie movie thing. Yeah. They, they, you, you haven't been making zombie movies for yeah. eight years or anything, yeah. so you don't have that track record yeah. or yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, Yvonne, you. Um, 
I'm in development for the screenplay that I got a grant here at the SF Film last year. It's called American Babylon. It's a drama that takes place in Oakland in the summer of 2001. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of personal narrative, a lot of, again, Oakland as a big character. What uh, what kind of genre would you say? Is it a straight drama? Is it? It's a drama with uh, it builds up to a heist. Oh, nice! It has uh, elements of magical realism. Oh, sweet! Yeah. I'm in. All right, you got my money. Excellent! I love that. <laughs> you love that money. Yeah. Sounds cool. <laughs> Oakland magical realism, a heist, intense drama. Yeah. Boom. Boom. I'm in. <laughs> Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, it's my turn to do the outro. Holy shit. Um, but first off, so where can we find your work, guys? Like North Pole website, obviously. NorthPoleShow.com. Okay. And then, you know, do you have a personal website, Yvonne, and that you want to share? And, and, you know. I do. I like weird names. So my website is called Iskracine, I-S-K-R-A-C-I-N-E.com. Nice. And are you on Twitter, Facebook, any of that stuff? I'm on Instagram, but Instagram. I never post. Okay, same name. All right, I'll I'll put it on the show notes. People can find you if they want. For you sure. know, follow you. Cool thing. Darren, what about you, man? Uh, the website's Black Square Black B L A C K S Q R dot com, um, and yeah, I'm not a tweeter. <laughs> I like I have, okay. yeah, I have yeah I have Instagram but my Isn't posts it? are usually yeah, like donuts or okay. whatever donuts I love donuts shout out to Colonial Donuts oh, yeah. <laughs> I was say, that's the best donut store I go there I got them timed yeah. oh, <laughs> thanks for listening everybody and thanks to Darren and Yvonne for being on the show really appreciate it you know um, guys everybody for real, check out uh, The North Pole. It's an awesome show. Um, you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. I'm at AllRB on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And Samia, where are you? I'm at Samia of the Interweb um, on Instagram. Nice. Um, my Twitter is dead, so don't go there. <laughs> okay, no Twitter. Um, my Facebook is for my Nigerian family members to ask me for things. Okay. <laughs> so mostly just find me on Instagram and the show I wrote um, on Easy yeah. the Show. Add on Easy the Show on Instagram yeah. as well. And on YouTube. And everybody watch the trailer and then we gotta pump it again. Yeah. Come to the live show, the screening on yeah, February 17th. 17th. Yeah, at the new Parkway in Oakland. Right. It was great band there. Yeah, so that's that. And then um, if you want to, if you like the show, please tell a friend. You can help us get the word out. You can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. To tell us how Samia did. You like Samia as a co-host? It's her second episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, thanks guys for another great episode. Yeah, thank you.